Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Entrepreneurs in Small Rooms Drinking Coffee. I'm Rob Kennedy, and we're here with Phil Flixel. How's it going? It's going great. Thanks for having me, Rob. Thanks for waking up. It's <laughs> to be so early, especially after last night. Um, why don't you tell everybody who doesn't know what Flixel is all about? Yeah, so at Flixel, we create magical visual tools for storytelling. And we do that by focusing on an exciting new visual medium called cinemagraphs. For those of you who've never heard of a cinemagraph, it's essentially a hybrid between a photo and a video. It really leverages the best of both worlds. So you have a static image, and within the image, you have one element in motion, and it keeps looping. And it creates this mesmerizing effect. And it's very powerful for social media, for digital advertisement, and we're really seeing a great growth right now in this whole new medium. So it's not quite like an animated GIF, GIF, depending on how you pronounce it. Uh, where the whole image just loops. It's like a video that's a very short clip. This is like bits of the photo animate, depending on what the author d intends. Correct. So the, um, the file format, a lot of people ask us about the file <laughs> format, is technically uh, we actually push it to be an MP4. Mm -hmm. uh, you can use it as an animated GIF. We do not recommend it. Because uh, the quality is so shitty? The quality is shitty, as yeah. you said and uh, the file size is big. The only real place where you would use the animated GIF is for uh, email, because it's the place where it will autoplay and auto loop in, in most email browsers. Right. Um, other than that, you want to use video, because then the quality is very high, the, mm -hmm. the file size is small. And now that all the social networks like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, they're auto playing video, mm -hmm. so it still gives you the feeling as if you're looking at a photo, but it has that element of magic that some element as you said, the author decides which element uh, comes to life. And that is, um, is, is really this kind of whole new medium. So when did you conceive of this? So a little over four years ago, um, saw the first cinemagraph. It was created by uh, a duo in New York. They, they kind of created the first cinemagraph uh, hacking Photoshop and mm -hmm. After Effects. And by hacking, I mean those tools were never designed to be creating cinemagraphs. Mm -hmm. but as people know, you can pretty much do anything on Photoshop uh, if you have the patience for it. Uh, but uh, when I saw that, I wanted to create one. That was kind of just the first instinct. And I saw how complicated it was. It was literally like 30 steps and it was like voodoo magic. And it was just so complicated and it wasn't intuitive. It wasn't a friendly user experience. And at that moment, I said, this really has the potential to be an ex a, a, basically a new medium. You know, there's not many times where you get to participate in a new visual medium, you know, photos, videos. And I saw this as a third category that could live in between the two. And so I said, well, the only way that's going to happen is if the tools makes it easy and fun for users and well, for essentially creators to to do these. And so it was very important that um, it could be made accessible and that was the birth of the company that's really was it just started. you like the as the founder or um, so I saw the original idea and then you know, as a, as an entrepreneur you you realize very quickly that you can't do it all by yourself you and where were you geographically at this geographically point? at that point I was in Moncton New Brunswick mm -hmm. um, I wasn't technical so I needed to bring on uh, people who had technical skills uh, who had you know vision from a technical standpoint that understanded uh, understand 
well the Apple ecosystem because we were going to go and, and, uh, and build this in um, as an app as an app initially and it was 2011 I guess and it was apps 2011, were awesome and cool exactly. and sexy and you know and it was going uh, you know, to be the iPhone 4 had just come out <laughs> yeah. and it was like can we push the boundaries of this <laughs> and so from there um, I moved to Toronto um, I, I basically met uh, Mark Pavlidis uh, Brett McLean and um, one of my good friends, uh, Mark Holmesa, who I had done a, a startup before, we essentially formed a company, um, and that was kind of the journey of Flixel from from the get go. So this is what's so interesting is, is that uh, once, especially now that entrepreneurship is like cool and hip, and all the cool kids are trying to do it. Um, there's a lot of people with ideas. Mm -hmm. There's very few people, there's less people, I should say, who have the ability to execute on those ideas. When you, you're a guy with an idea, you're a dime a dozen, arguably, not to say that, you know, you're clearly Absolutely, more than, yeah. you're special. <laughs> uh, how do you, how do you say, no, 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 I've got an idea, I need a team. Is it the, the, the strength of vision? Do you stalk people? Like, how do you get tech people who are in demand to pay attention to you and join you? I mean, that's that's a very uh, interesting question. Um, it's my job. Yeah, I mean... Uh, <laughs> Actually, it's not my job at all, but... <laughs> at the end of the day, um, I think I was looking... It took a few months to find the, the, the right folks that would join this and that, that understood the vision and wanted to be part of that same vision and would help to shape that vision. And so um, initially, uh, they started off as contractors. And um, quickly, uh, out of like skepticism, I don't know, man. Are you really a thing? Maybe is that the why? Well, I, I think uh, you know, um, it just happened at that point in time where the other individuals were in their life. Yes. I think. Yes. Um, but at the end of the day, as they started creating this and being part of it, um, they quickly saw how this had the same, that had the potential of becoming a new medium, and they kind of saw how they could also shape this as well because I don't think you'll get any co-founders um, and other people to join your your story especially at the beginning of a company unless they feel that they can shape this and be a part of it um, in, in, in an important way otherwise I mean why would they you know a lot of people can do a lot of things with their time why would they spend that energy there and so that kind of led itself. So it, it kind of just naturally occurred in that instant. And um, it, it progressed from there. And I, I think every startup story is a little different mm -hmm. or every kind of some co-founders knew each other for many years before that. Uh, in other cases, um, they just, the circumstances makes it that these people come together mm -hmm. and it creates a, a journey. And so um, that was really what happened with us. It just kind of a journey came out of the situation and uh, it's been four years now yeah. and it's, it's been an incredible ride, uh, both highs and lows. And we can talk about that. And uh, oh, we will. <laughs> um, so when you do the, the act of finding, you know, Brett and Mark um, and those guys, like, was it the based on their portfolio? Like back in those days, you know, the iOS community, like in Toronto, I was part of it, I guess, um, uh, was small and these guys had like cranked out some cool shit up to that point. Was it based on that that you're like, oh, these guys aren't totally crazy people and we should try to work together? Is that how you found them or is it just through personal network and then it happened to be you'd heard of these guys in some other circumstances? It was a combination of both. Okay. So um, 
David Crow basically um, had mentioned these guys were great guys, mm -hmm. and then um, at the same time, um, I had interviewed other people to be part of this, and they just everything fit that this was the right team that we could come together. Because is it weird? And they like, had different strengths. Everybody yeah. had different things to bring to the table. Yeah, yeah. And um, and it just kind of, you know, just like anything, you, you kind of uh, it, it takes its own life form, and um, it's been, like I said, a pretty amazing ride. Is it is it weird to have? as founders initially at least to have contractors because like you know that's anti-narrative yeah um it was again just the the circumstances i always it that way. yeah i always saw that it started that way and i always thought that it would um the contractors would become yeah part they'll of the buy journey. The they'll, yeah. they'll yeah. buy it along the way that was a bet i made mm -hmm. i guess um I wouldn't necessarily recommend that. It just uh, have <laughs> what to work out for or, us. Or because you know something wouldn't work, or no, just because the risk factor. If it doesn't work out, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. <laughs> so, Fair enough. so I, I would not necessarily recommend that path. But it's funny. Like if I look back at the company, um, most things we did, I wouldn't even recommend. Oh yeah. It's just, it's just <laughs> one of those things where. You know, you've got the playbook where it's like you do this, this, and this, and you read this on Y Combinator and all the rest, and you're like the Paul Graham essays, and you're like, yep. okay, this is how you're supposed to do it. But the reality is that when you're faced with different hurdles and challenges, your goal as an entrepreneur is to figure out a way to you know, overcome that challenge at that particular time, mm -hmm. because otherwise there is no survival. Right. And so the one thing I did take from some of these different essays and so forth that I read is that no matter what, survive. You mm -hmm. have to be, uh, you have to really dig in deep to figure out ways to survive. And most of the time that means you will have to figure out and do deals and do different things for the company that's not the ideal playbook that you've read about. Right. Um, it's not every company that gets to follow that playbook perfectly. Right. You know, those are the outliers. The majority, you gotta hustle and figure out ways to just survive. And if you can survive long enough and help to build that that initial vision, then you can have good breaks, and and you can have lucky breaks, and then you can have um, things that will happen that will essentially. Um, get you back on that the path, I, the, the path. idealized path. Well, how, ideal what's path. an example of something that you were like, ah, I got to do this. Really, not the thing I want to do, but you know, shit, we need to make payroll or shit, you know. I mean, we <laughs> we faced uh, many moments like that. I mean, um, we actually documented some of this in a, what we call a startup story video. It's on our it's on flixel.com slash company, and and you can see it on. Uh, on, on our page, it's an eight minute kind of mini documentary, if you will, and, and we showcase some of these moments. Uh, some cases, uh, Mark, my best friend, who is one of the co-founders, mm -hmm. Mark Holmza, not uh, the CTO, Mark Pavlidis, but Mark Holmza, who was more on the marketing side, he had to go uh, because we were running out of cash. We had to figure out and rebuild the technical side because we had realized we were going in the wrong direction and mm -hmm. had to rebuild from scratch. So those kind of like letting go of your best friend, uh, <laughs> yeah. th those are never easy moments. 
uh, realizing that you've kind of sold your investors on the path of you're going to be a social network and realizing that's not going to happen. It's actually yeah. not where the market is. Right. Um, we're more like Adobe for Photoshop yes. and for this new medium. So we're more a, a authoring tool and right. we can build things around that as a platform, uh, which is where we're at now, mm -hmm. where there's stock images. We just did a partnership with uh, Shutterstock on mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's creative services, there's uh, hosting services, but it's not a social network where you make the thing for free and then you need to get hundreds of millions of users. Right. Uh, and I say users because that's essentially what you're going to be doing. You're going to be monetizing yeah. these people. Yeah. They're not customers exactly. where you're uh, charging them. And so, you know, you've sold your investors that path and you realize uh, the data does not back this path anymore. Yes. And so you have to go back and sell them on a new vision, um, but you've not been able to execute on that first vision, so why should they re reinvest? So, so those are moments where then you gotta figure out, well, how do I extend payroll for as long as possible? Mm -hmm. And then luckily enough, we get a phone call from Tyra Banks saying, right. we're interested in, in, for the show, America's Next Top Model, and we're interested in your technology. So, so then you get you then you got to extend the payroll, figure yeah. out ways and how to do. And so let's put a pin in that because you just yeah. said a lot, lot of really interesting stuff. But the one thing I want to ask you, just for context, is when you moved to Toronto and you set the company up, this was based on like you had no funders or of any sort. It was just uh, you. So or did I you? well, so I was fortunate before I moved to Toronto. Mm -hmm. um, I had some contacts in New Brunswick, and I was able to sell the vision to early angel investors and raise a quarter million from the get-go. That's amazing. So, so that's what allowed the company to essentially get contractors at the start and yeah, yeah, pay yeah. the contractors uh, that eventually became the co-founders of the company. Is that uncommon to get a quarter uh, million dollars based on a vision? Yeah, that, that is uncommon. <laughs> Um, I didn't realize at the time it was uncommon, but sometimes the less you know, the better. Exactly. And so I kind of went with this in the back of my mind was just this idea that this is how you do it. You raise and you don't need a proof of concept to start. You need to show clearly the vision. Well, in some respects, it's, is it not true? I mean, in my experience, it's you either raise based on an idea or you raise based on traction. The middle bit is it's impossible to get money at that point. Oh, you kind of have an idea. You kind of don't have anything. It's kind of sort of not traction. So you can't yeah. get money. Is that yeah, true? you've got not fully an MVP. Yeah, so and it kind of works in, in three middle. users and one guy's paying and yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I again, I think going back to what I was saying earlier on, Paul Graham would say, build the thing, <laughs> get the MVP yeah. and then raise some funding. So get everybody, the co-founders to come in and do sweat equity at the start. That's the typical vision. That's yeah. not how we did it. Right. Uh, so, you know, again, there's different there's different ways to get to where you need to get to in terms of your journey. Uh, the main thing is you have to just go and do something in order to move the needle forward. So you, you got the quarter million, you got co-founders, you started building the, the product, yep. uh, you brought it to market. It was pretty nice, if I recall correctly. I remember I remember Mark showing it to me and scrubbing little people yep. walking down the street. It was the very fun. Masking, it was very fun. I have a patent pending on. It was very fun, it was very cool. Um, then at what point did you, like, did you have a, 
and those and those investors were sold on the idea of a social network, the initial ones. Yeah. So what happened is um, we, we did launch. Yeah. Uh, so with the quarter million, it gave us the money to build the, the first, the 1.0, mm-hmm. uh, which was called Flixel at the time, Flixel mm-hmm. 1.0. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was at that point we were using an animated GIF actually as the file format, oh, yeah. which turned out to be the, the wrong file format to use. <laughs> but you know, we again, you start with something and yeah, then yeah. you iterate from there. Um, and it was, you know, a fun app. Um, we unfortunately, um, which turned out to be a blessing in disguise, and this is kind of the irony of, of startups, is uh, a month before we launched, there was another Canadian startup, uh, and I'm sure you remember this, mm-hmm. called Cinemagram. Yep. And um, they actually had pivoted from another idea and they went into Cinemagram. Pornography, if I'm not mistaken. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and um, actually, um, but yeah, so they, they basically um, uh, launched a month before called Cinemagram. And it was funny, I had when we're debating names for a company, that actually came up really? as one. I could have gotten the domain at the time. I thought, that's silly. It's like Instagram. I'm not going to call it that. But right. it turned out it was a good strategy for them because yeah. people initially thought it was even part of Instagram. Right. And so Plus there's it, like a name collision with Cinemagraph. Cinemagram, yeah, exactly. So it's sort of a yep. weird, yeah. And um, and then it, it, they took off like it was crazy. Like yeah. they, they took off they were the fastest growing app at the time. They got to a million downloads in less than a month in 2011, yeah. 2012, early 2012, where That's it took crazy. three months for Instagram. But obviously every every month was getting easier to get more you know, downloads and so forth at that point in mm-hmm. the uh, Apple ecosystem. But nonetheless, they just took off like crazy. And, and we launched a month later, we were still able to get some press. We got 100,000 downloads within the first month as well. Mm-hmm. But we were like, 10 times smaller than them, right? And as a social network, as you know, it's a winner take all. Yes. Uh, Luckily for us, it didn't turn out to be a social network play. Right. So they were were essentially, if I'm not, well, they were essentially, we were both digging the wrong hole, right? So they were just more efficient at digging the wrong hole. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, but we were still able to raise money on that concept because they were proving out that there was a market. Maybe we can catch up. That was the the bet from the investors. I see. And maybe there'll be a number two that still can do well, and maybe right. we can overcome them because it was still early in the race. Right. Um, but they were executing very well on on the social network, uh, but it was just not going to be a social network play, and. Um, and the person who kind of iterated on that idea was actually Vine, and that kind of took the win off their sale. And uh, right, it doesn't hurt who they who created them. Well, it's, well, they yeah, Twitter bought them from day one. Yeah, it was created by another group. Okay, and then fair enough. Twitter I thought, bought them, okay. and then so they launched day one from Twitter, and, okay. and that killed off Cinemagram, and mm-hmm. then Cinemagram had to rethink what they were going to do. Now they're kind of, um, they're focused on an app called Yeti, which is uh, basically a a Snapchat competitor for colleges. So they've kind of moved away completely from Cinemagraphs. So we're really, uh, we we pivoted towards, um, and I say pivot because it really was what you call a pivot. It was still in the same, we were still in the same category. We were still continuing Cinemagraphs, but instead of trying to do it for everybody, we said, let's go more professional. Yeah. and create that high quality. We went video, we went you know, uh, more robust tool set, but we still kept, kept the simplicity of what we had initially, which was the live masking, which was our secret sauce at the yeah, end yeah. of the day. So, so two questions. One is, did you raise money during this period? 
so yeah, so after we launched, we got a hundred thousand downloads. We raised a, a new seed seed funding, uh, not very much, but yeah. enough to keep going. Okay. Um, but then we did not execute on that vision because right. our competitor was dominating that vision and also it wasn't the right hole we were digging in the first place. So is it at that point you had to go and have a come to Jesus moment with the people, the set of investors that you had at that point, or was that later? Well, I, I remember as a team, we had this kind of, uh, what we called our Muskoka retreat. Uh, it was actually at a bar. Uh, <laughs> Muskoka, down, down, for those down, who don't down. know, Muskoka is a place in Ontario where people tend to go for the yeah, summers. Exactly. And yeah. we, we didn't have the luxury and the funding to, uh, <laughs> to go to Muskoka. Spend so, the money on booze, not on... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we were at uh, Lou Dogs, uh, which is just um, not too far from where we're recording this. And um, we essentially, you know, tried to just figure out, like, how do we survive with this? It's not going to be a social network. And throwing things out. And I remember, uh, how, okay, so I remember Mark specifically saying, like, we got to charge. And we thought, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. How are we going to charge? And, you know, people don't pay for apps. And uh, so, so that was uh, kind of, we kind of had that brainstorming session as a, as a team. And that's where, you know, you call it that, uh, that, that, that moment where that realization, and it was good that it came from, you know, a team discussion and everybody kind of said, okay, we, we got to go a different direction. And then we went that different direction. We just didn't have the money to be able to survive that. The, the way kind of the, the best analogy I can give is like, we knew where the puck was going. We just couldn't afford the skates. Right. And right. so we had to figure out a way to um, basically get to where the puck was going. And uh, as a team, we did some sacrifices together and uh, we managed to get there and again some great timing with our banks where she contacted us and then we were able to get that deal but that deal took six months to well, close. Th so that before you get so there we, we had to again. yeah so two again i, I just want to so one question is um how did you know i mean the number of downloads it wasn't cinemagram amount but the amount of downloads you got that's a lot yeah, you know, and that's we a were, not insubstantial hit, right? Yeah. How do you know that it's wrong? Well, so this is one thing that um, that was good advice from one of my uh, investors um, from Mentel Venture Partners, uh, Robin. He said, you know, take a, make sure you write down all the statistics you can from Cinemagram, not only yours but them, okay. to see what's going on if there's lessons learned. And Cinemagram kind of had a lot of their data open. Uh, it was quite easy to get access to a lot of it, just the way that they were putting their information and on Twitter and so forth. So we were able to really see how people were reacting on our network and also on their network. And the reality was um, to do a good Cinemagraph, you need a tripod. So, you know, intuitively you would say, well, that means it's not really geared towards the amateur market. Right. Right. So and, and wait, you got this because but, people were like complaining about the quality. Like, no, you how would did you see know? you would see the quality. You just that look shit. And, and okay. exactly. And then at the end of the day, um, the second component was it was not something you were going to do and kind of the same like a social network is about documenting your life. Typically, that's what makes a social network a social network. Mm -hmm. You you weren't going to document your life with cinemagraphs, and so we saw that we saw that from the consumer behavior. And so from there, we said, well, the, who are the ones really doing good stuff? They were artists. They were creative professionals. 
And they were the ones asking for you know cooler features and, and more robust tool set. And we saw that that market is the one that's doing art. And that's also the market that will do commerce for, for ads. And so we said, really, the market is going to be for advertisers. It's going to be uh, a way for people to stand out. So, you know, this is way more compelling than static photos when done right. Yeah. And it's a lot easier than video. Video yeah. is a whole production. So it was kind of that that perfect kind of hybrid between the two. And then, of course, with the social networks, there was still at that point in time, one big barrier. Social networks didn't autoplay video. Mm. And we didn't need the sound because there's no sound to this, but we needed to autoplay the video because if you have to push play, the magic is lost. And so we knew that was eventually, we, we were expecting that was eventually going to happen, um, but we weren't there yet. So we had to still be at the forefront of like evangelizing this new medium. And that was, that, that's always a challenge. It's very exciting to do that as a, as a startup founder, but it means your timing is not perfect, it means you're going to be burning a lot more cash. So you have to figure out a way to survive, do great partnerships, sell the story. And part of the America's Next Top model allowed us to do that. It allowed us to raise more money at that point from, yes. from our early angel investors and other investors because they saw the opportunity. Yes, this is going to take a bit more time, so but you're, 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 you're going to have massive reach. Uh, reach and then hopefully you can continue to execute on. So this you're saying, I'm, I'm just making, making sure you're saying that before you got contacted by America's Next Top Model, you guys had already had the epiphany that shit, the social media path is not successful, probably, and probably advertisers want this. And then around that time is when Tyra Banks was like, hey, is that yeah, we, we had I remember um, we had re started redesigning the 2.0 version with uh, it being completely like beautiful design at the time, even inspired by 500px because mm -hmm. this was another company who was doing great things in photography, like you know, going really more photography, beautiful imagery centric mm -hmm. as opposed to social network. Yeah, um, yeah. and so. That was kind of it. Would, it would, had already started, and so and we uh, another key thing that we did is we were going HD quality, so high definition video quality, and we're pushing that at the time with the with the uh, devices, um, and so the timing was perfect because one of the challenges for America's Next Top Model, and was that it needed to be high definition. Yes, it couldn't be a GIF, and it couldn't be low quality video, which. Cinemagram at the time was doing low quality video. Um, so we had the HD quality that was needed for the show. Were they using the tool already? Were they using it for fun? Or how did they discover? So uh, Tyra Banks had seen the same cinemagraphs I had seen when we started the company four years ago. I see. And uh, she wanted to do it back then. Mm -hmm. But the tools didn't allow you to create 12 a day. Um, and so she was waiting for technology to catch up, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so when she saw how there was a few of us in the marketplace, and obviously she did her due diligence and mm -hmm. contacted the different players in the space, and she saw that we had the HD quality she was looking for, and we connected on the vision level, and from there we were able to, to get that agreement in place. 
and it really exposed us to a lot of professional photographers. A lot of professional photographers watch America's Next Top Model because mm. it's one of the only shows where you see the behind the scenes process mm -hmm. of a photo shoot. So it was actually really good uh, targeting for our customer base and to get that out. Plus so you're it, getting first party, here's what we want, tooling information. Your customers telling you what they want from you yeah. and what to build. Yeah, yeah, because even on the show, I remember like, Mark uh, Pavlidis was on the show like while we were shooting he was building features during the show that's awesome yeah like he was coding that night and yeah he we should not be on it. the actual show because I don't want to see him as a model but I, I get what you're saying in the background he was making it go yeah, yeah he really was cool. literally like behind the scenes and, uh, and, and, punch me now, and but... coding uh, for features that was going on the and show. was, was, was like, it the oh, photographer crossfade we yeah I was gonna say was the photographer out. yelling this and then he was like okay or was he seeing oh shit they're gonna ask for crossfade and like uh, because of the process we were like saying oh we need this feature based on the producer and the photographers and what we're talking so we were getting great <clears throat> feedback right there and building out uh, the tool and um, so yeah it just kind of continued from there how do you prevent like uh, this happens with a bunch of startups where on uh, a really big interesting party set expresses interest in you and your platform so uh, in your case it was a celebrity who had muscle and yep. in the right space uh, sometimes it's like hey Google's come and knock in or in my case it was like Zynga is like hey we kind of want to we like you we think you're interesting how do you you know not bet the farm <laughs> on that company or that like you said the deal took six months yeah that's risky right you yep. can they, that might never materialize but it's really exciting but it might never materialize Correct. how do you make sure you don't destroy the company while you're waiting for that to yeah, that's a very good question. Um, and again, going back to the Paul Graham <laughs> essays and so forth that, that you know you read, and again, this is the best practice. And I remember reading, um, actually it wasn't Paul Graham in that case, it was uh, Andreessen. They talked about uh, when you have a big you know, whale, um, in the case you're talking about Google or some big player that can change the faith of your company. Mm -hmm. You have to attend to it, but also it can basically, um, that can... Suck all the oxygen. Yeah, <laughs> it can basically uh, be the whale that ends up you know, sinking the ship. Yeah. And so how do you deal with that? In our case, again, I would not recommend this, <laughs> but uh, the reality was at that point in time, we had to go all in with that bet. Uh, because it was the only way at that point in time where we could convince investors to put in the money. So we had to we had to get this deal done, and we said, "All right, this is the only way we'll survive as a company." At that point in time, uh, later on, now we're doing different deals with different big companies, and the, 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 the you know the other wheels, and we have multiple of them going yes. on at the same time. We're no longer dependent on them. So you you basically still forge your own path, and we have you know a sustainable model now. We charge. Uh, clients and we have revenue generating so that kind of we're not dependent on the will but yes. we also need to do those at the same time because they can change the faith of your company so you still have to attend to them the ideal state is you attend to them and you work that deal but you should never be dependent on them but at certain cases in the evolution of your company depending where you are sometimes you have to make that all-in bet normally that's when you're early in uh, a company because you have less to lose right as the company evolves now we're four years old um, we've kind of built up more we have more to lose so therefore you don't want to put a all-in bet 
Right. But at that point in time, we were one, you know, we were less than, we were basically a year old company yeah. when Tyra contacted us. So we had more to gain, less to lose at that point in time, because we were going to be, uh, we weren't going to survive if we didn't get this deal at that point in time. Yeah, yeah. Because of the circumstances. Uh, we're, we're, we're so running low on time, but I, I, there's so many questions I have to ask you. One of the, one of the I, I'll go forward and then I'll go backwards if we have time. The one, one of the last things I want to ask you is, for those listening to this podcast, when it is later on in time, a year or 10 years from now, when we're all famous and rich, um, the iPhone 6s just came out. You guys are pretty heavily in mobile. I mean, you've got a desktop app where yep. you can do a lot of the heavy scrubbing, which is what I guess the pros want to spend yep. their time doing. But you consume a lot of the content, and I'm, you can make some stuff on the on mobile. Yeah, so mobile is still a key platform for you. I would yes, imagine. absolutely. And with the iPad Pro that just came out, <clears throat> I that's know, really it's exciting. exciting for us. So um, uh, the the. Live photos? The, the live photos thing. <laughs> iPhone 6S came out with this live photos thing. You hold your finger down and it shows you a couple frames before the photo, a couple frames after the photo. Yeah. It's not quite a cinemagraph, Correct. but it's in the same universe of stuff. Yeah. And now everyone's got it. Yeah. How does that, how does that, as your platform du jour, your platform of choice, I should say, say, fuck you developer, not really. Here's a thing that's kind of like what you're doing. Well, when we first saw the, the announcement, we thought we got Sherlock there. We yeah. thought they initially, because the first like commercial, it looks like a cinemagraph. Yeah. And then we dug in deeper and it was not at all a cinemagraph. It right. was actually um, what we call kind of a micro video. It's a three second video. Is it actually a video? I thought it, it was a series of photos. It, I mean, you can spin it different ways, but <laughs> at the end of the day, uh, the output file when people, you know, share it out and so forth. It's is, a video. It's, it's a video. Okay. And, um, but at the end of the day, what that meant for us was actually very, it was the best news because what Apple did is they've evangelized to everybody, the concept of micro video, the concept of these bite-sized, you know, live photos, if you will, and the way we see cinemagraphs, cinemagraphs is kind of like the Mercedes of that genre of micro video content. So, uh, you know, the masses might not use cinemagraphs because it's it's a little bit more work. Mm -hmm. You know, it, mm -hmm. it, instead of taking one second to do it, it might take you thirty seconds or a minute, which that's an eternity for the mass consumer <laughs> yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah. But um, for you know social media marketing, uh, digital marketing managers, for photographers, videographers, um, our tool allows them to stand out and be much more than a, a live photo. So uh, as everybody's now kind of going into the space of short video, uh, you've seen Boomerang from Instagram, mm -hmm. the Apple Live Photos, uh, Visco just released Disco. Yes, yes, uh, yes. So all these kind of micro one to three second video, essentially, you can show them as GIFs as well, but essentially it's, it's video that's the best format for them. Um, they are kind of not that interesting to look at. It's kind of more in the animated GIF, everything's in motion. It, it kind of, people will say that's a fad and whatnot because it's not that interesting. But when you compare that next to the cinemagraph done well, it's like, again, like the best analogy is to say the, Mer the Mercedes is the mm. cinemagraph. And so it really uh, allows for people to discover cinemagraph now and to get those, those uh, art ideal customers interested in it. 
even more so because of this whole um, movement towards micro video hmm. and towards social networks now pushing this. I mean, you've probably heard Facebook's new profile picture. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not rolled out everywhere yet. It's just starting in California, but it's a seven-second sec seven looping video mm -hmm. uh, that's auto-playing, auto-looping, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, which, again, a cinemagraph is ideal to put there. That's better, actually, than it, a looping video. Exactly. And, and so at the end of the day, um, we the way we see the market forces right now, it's never been... We, we've not, we're now in the best position ever for the company and for cinemagraphs to take off as a, as a third category because there's outside forces that are bigger than us that are helping to essentially evangelize the, and the, the, the medium, whole, the the whole medium and the idea and we're that kind of uh, final conclusion of that micro video. <laughs> They're getting to where you are exactly. in the future. Exactly. So the one last thing I'll ask you, we, we're late, but I have to ask this question. Um, You've got so basically you're saying that everyone understands the language of micro video that you, they're they're pushing it so now everyone understands what it is and now yeah. everyone understands what the the penultimate version of that is in cinemagraphs and what you guys are doing well they're starting but, to they're right, starting because to know of this huge us, market exactly. push by everybody yeah I guess the question is you alluded it to it and I think we have a minute or two so please try <laughs> to keep it short uh, but it's okay it's a podcast do whatever you want um, is so there is a pendulum th effect, right? There's this, there's th it's cool, it's fucking awesome. Look, you can do these micro videos. In, in you know, six months, if Facebook rolls that thing out, every fucking person is gonna have a fucking little video and it'll be really annoying to look at my newsfeed because everyone's thing is a video. There will inevitably be a swing back where people are like, you remember those photography things back in the day? And uh, as, with, as there are trends, the trend goes away. Mm -hmm. So um, what do you think is gonna happen if there's a push now, inevitably in a year, there's gonna be a reaction push to not do that kind of thing, don't you think? And how do you plan to weather that when, when that happens? Well, I think at the end of the day, uh, what stands out from the cinemagraph from the other ones mm. is that when done right, it's beautiful content. And people enjoy looking at them, sharing them, because again, it's actually rooted in the beauty of photography. It's a still, but within that still, there's an element of motion. And that was very different than the other type of content you're yeah. mentioning, where yeah. it's just a bit kind of annoying. It falls back into the whole GIF movement. Yeah. And so, yes, it's taking a, a life back of its own GIFs. But at the end of the day, the cinemagraph is um, it's rooted aesthetically in, in a beautiful imagery. And that will never go away. Got it. And so that's where we see this taking off and becoming a third category. The way we see it, our ideal kind of scenario a few years down the road is that it's part of the marketing mix. So the same way as you need photos, you need videos, you should have also cinemagraphs. And depending what you're trying to communicate, what kind of story you're trying to tell, which kind of medium, when, you'll use you'll use one over the other in a combination of all three in part of your marketing strategy. Cool. And that's what we're excited about and that's what we're pushing at Flixel. That's awesome. Well, that was really great. I have thousands of other questions. Maybe next episode we'll do like a mega double episode one day. <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on the show. So for those who want to try out Flixel, where do you go? Go at Flixel.com. We have tons of information on how to create them, tons of tutorials, and it's very easy and uh, you can download it for free. You get a seven-day trial as well. 
Um, we it's on love... the Mac App Store. It's on the iOS, like yeah, App Store. It's, App Store. It's, uh, it, the best thing is to go on our site, flixel.com, okay. okay. and then you can download uh, the, the Mac version uh, as well as uh, the links to the iOS. And, cool. um and you can also see all the beautiful imagery there as well. Yeah, that's very cool. There's some really amazing stuff there, so check it out, everybody. Thank you for coming on this, Philippe. Uh, uh, this was Entrepreneurs in Small Rooms Drinking Coffee. I'm Rob Kennedy. Thanks to Nick for producing the show. Thanks to the working group for hosting us. And stay tuned next week for another Blockbuster episode. It's been a pretty good run. Have Thanks, a great guys. week, everybody. Thank you.